Make a move it, then she'll call him. Forest fires, Google's ballin'. Take a chance and roll the dice one day. If you're a DM player, find you. Millennials can join this quest too. Expedition, we're gonna find a way. Look, I said I wasn't going to... You know what? It's season three, all right? It's season three. I thought I could stop. But every time I try to get away, they pull me back in. And this time, it's Barney's fault again. Actually, didn't Barney make me do season two? Barney? For someone that doesn't podcast very much, you don't have make me podcast. Am I your, I don't know, proxy? Do you get your vicarious thrills from listening to me podcast? Well, anyway, you're not getting away with it, mate, because I'm you, I'm putting your message at the centre of this episode. <clears throat> so I am going to have a bunch of other call-ins as well, but really, um, the reason I'm starting season three is that Barney left me a long and interesting message with a few ums in it. He had the cheek, he's a, he had the bleeding cheek to, to request that I edit out his ums. I don't even edit out my ums, Barney. Why, pray tell, would I edit out yours? Fuck's sake. <sighs> anyway. Apocalypse cast day numpty numpty. Um, there's now a sort of low-lying mist everywhere. The sun is sort of making its way through. The air quality apparently is very poor and hazardous. And um, to be honest, I don't think anyone really knows what's happening anymore. This could go on for a long time. <laughs> this really could. But anyway... Barney, um, as you're about to hear, left a rather long message, sort of in response to my message, but mainly in response, sorry, sorry, sort of in response to my episode from the other day, but mainly in response to actually the game that we played, The Watchers of Walberswig. And uh, this is a very uh, thoughtful message. It's quite, um, it's quite provocative to me in the way that Barney always is provocative to me. Provocative fucker. He's a provocative fucker. Um, but actually, I really appreciate it because he, he uh, probably more than anyone, has, has really helped me think about my game mastering. I'd say him and, and Daniel, my, my pal from New York, the two of them probably in, in very different ways have, have, have kind of made me think about my game mastering and sort of pushed me in ways to be a better game master or at least to think about how I can do things differently. Not... Not, not like in a scolding way, not in a hypercritical way, but in a in the spirit of you know, open dialogue of uh, you know Socratic Ujima flip. Um, so, so I really appreciate this. And um, after I played it, I, I'll I'll kind of give my my thoughts. 
Hi Andy, it's Barney. I'm sitting looking out on a picturesque-ish bit of Bavarian landscape and there's a field of cows noshing away on the grass in front of me. It's sunny but I'm sitting in the shade next to a little hut which is at the back of the school grounds where I work. Quite incredible. Anyway, um, I really enjoyed hearing your reflections on the first instalment of our new Cthulhu game. Enjoyed that very much. I'm calling in now to defend myself against your accusation that I attempted to derail the game. Now, of course, you and I have a history around this topic that goes back to our big debate about prep versus improvised play and all of the directions that that spins off in. Uh, but one of the key triggers was your, uh, your infamous player who wanted to see Big Ben and, and then, you know, really attempted to derail your Masks of Nyarlathotep game and then left the group. Um, so I guess it's that sense of derailing that I want to distance myself from a little bit. Um, I can totally see how you or someone would would call what my play style last week um, derailing, but I don't think, I genuinely don't think that it was. And here's, here's, my, here's my case, I put my case forward. Um, you said we were going to play an adventure set in Suffolk. So I created a character born and bred in Suffolk. And I wanted to create this really awful character. And with no... Uh, with no class judgment really involved in that, I decided that basically I would make that person an aristocrat. Um, we're all supposed to be members of an archaeological society and I decided that my, my awful, horrible character would be, would be a member of the archaeological community, not on the basis of talent, not really even on the the basis of experience, more just um, wealth and entitlement. So I was imagining that, that he studied archaeology, but basically got nothing out of that. Hence him having 1% in archaeology. Um... So he is a Suffolk man. So when we started play, um, of course, it was as much a surprise to me as it might have been to you uh, when, when we were meeting in London and you were somehow expecting us to not know Suffolk. Um, so that would be the first kind of bit of slippage there. Um, 
or the, you know, first zone of of problem, first problematic zone. Um, um, and I had imagined that that the way he had passed his studies and the way he had gained a little bit of uh, of a place in the archaeological community was to have excavated the extensive grounds of his family estate and that something some elements of that um were perhaps a little shady so some things might have been a little bit fudged or fabricated um Yeah, and so I imagined this character, this character, be being the inheritor of uh, large tracts of land, um, and that 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 pr- has provided the basis for a lot of um, his excavations. So in the game then this idea that I come from Suffolk that you were surprised by that I was handling that situation and, and then it came to this this bone that had been found and I, I simply thought that being the aristocrat that he was with that kind of this kind of uh, study uh program behind him these excavations that he could he could say yeah I do I I sold it to them and I really was completely just you know I was just making it up that it would be a a leg bone um uh, and so I guess the the next problematic thing was was uh, that moment where 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 I said that and you um and you kind of were surprised <laughs> because it was a leg bone. Um, and then the idea that I owned the pub, that came through play. So I think Colin suggested that. He probably owns the pub. So I thought I would just go with that. Um, and then, of course, you chose for the landlord to refute this so that then becomes another area you know problematic area um and then when we went to the museum to look at the bone and the collection um uh you know i had i'd said there's a risby ickwell wing of the of the museum um you know you you didn't let that happen um which was fine but again so that again there's that 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 creates this kind of problem area this dissonance uh, if you like um now i think if we if if we didn't know each other as we do and we weren't already friends and if we were different types of people different players different gms 
all of this might spin out differently. Um, but I think these these contradictions or these tensions within the story are are really good fun and interesting. And like you said in the episode, maybe Risby Ickwell is telling the truth, maybe he's not. Um, and of course that just adds more to my character. Now, I think all of this does come back again to this kind of prep versus non-prep or prep versus improvisation. And what's interesting is that you've said that you've basically done very little prep um, and that you want improvisation, but that when when we give it to you, um, there you know there are these points of resistance which we can turn to our favor and these aren't criticisms they're not criticizing you at all um you know in the episode you you point out that if i had found the leg bone and donated it to the oh sorry not donated sold it to the uh to the museum that undermines the whole plot I don't think that's true at all, because my understanding was that this person who's uh, basically hired us to go and, or wants us to go and investigate, encountered the bone in the museum. There's no reason why I couldn't have been the person to have sold it to them. That's really not a problem at all. And the site that it was found at would be... uh, would simply be that um, um, yeah so so that is all all very very interesting stuff I think um, um, I've got the feeling there was something else that I wanted to say about all of this but I can't remember what it is exactly um, so I should probably just leave it there. I mean, just to say again, I think... Ah, I, I know what it was, just to to finish off. It was that... Um, it really points to... The, 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 the in-world agency of players in relation to a GM... And it's really interesting to find those those points of tension. Um, you know, it's very illuminating because if we're allowed to create these characters with certain backstories, which are completely in line with the story as as advertised, if you like, or as the scenario as advertised, but then that character, for whatever reason isn't isn't allowed to play out that being or that that backstory because of the plot line you know that's really really fascinating um that's a really fascinating thing so so really just to summarize now i i don't feel that that in any way I was trying to derail the game. And I think you probably agree with that because I'm I'm very interested in the game and I'm very interested in going through it. Um, um, 
I think what what I've tried to outline here is that maybe there are a couple of um, contradictions or incongruencies that we both kind of stepped into, perhaps, um, which create this kind of dissonance or kind of a clash. But, as I've said, as you've pointed to, these can be productive, so they're not really, they're not, they're not negative um, tensions. They're, they're positive, enjoyable tensions. Um, and I think what is interesting about this is having this particular character who behaves in a particular way, he is like a bull in a china shop in the world. And of course, that that leads to um, a certain impact on the game, if you like, on the scenario. So I don't think it's derailment. I would say it's more like just getting on with it and being quite brutish about it. That's what he always wants to be. So I hope I've put my case quite well. That's all for now. See you. So... I I find this very interesting, Barney. I really do. Because I think we do have very different perspectives on what happened in that game and with your character. And, and as you said, there was nothing bad about it. I think it was really good, actually, and it was fun. And, um, and I think... I don't think you felt frustrated. I certainly didn't feel frustrated. I actually, as I said, I welcomed... The, the disruption that your character was was causing, and I suppose, I suppose what it's pointing to to me, yeah, I, I, perhaps I was being a little bit too reductive, saying that there was no plot and I was making everything up. There, of course, is a plot in there somewhere. It's 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 very small, but it's very it's quite specific, and. You know the things you hit on as as your invention, which I you're right I didn't respond to, because maybe maybe I was a bit thrown actually, because the things you hit on, um, one of them was very much baked into the story, like where this bone came from, and then you know, I was at a bit of a loss because that's a big driver for for how the rest of the the story will play out in some way. I don't know how it will play out, but, you know, and part of it comes from not knowing where that bone comes from. Now, if one of the characters suddenly is the person where that bone came from, it rather turns everything on its head. So my immediate response was to say, was to kind of imply that you're just making all this up, that you're just lying, <laughs> um, which I think is interesting in itself. But also, you know, if it turns out you're not lying, and again, we both, you know, we both acknowledge this, then it can become something also very interesting. But then, then I need to collaborate with you, and probably not in the instant, not in the moment, because, because then we could definitely be going at tangents and at cross purposes and, and leading to an actual breakdown of the narrative. Right now, the narrative is sort of hanging by a thread but it's an interesting thread. It's almost like, you know, the sword of Damocles hanging over my head as a GM and your head as a character because 
one way or the other, one of us is going to have to end up reconfiguring how we thought things were, which is pretty cool, actually. And we are both creative and responsive enough to, to do that on the fly. But what I think would be unhelpful would be if we both kind of want to go in different directions and it and it actually causes some friction or conflict, not between us as people, but, but between characters or NPCs or various story beats or or whatever and and i think that's probably where i want to and perhaps i want to sort of discuss this with you a bit um maybe i need to maybe you need to send me another message at some point but but i'm probably going to publish this before you have a chance to do that so so that's really my thinking to be honest right now is that is that we do need to agree where this is going um in some way but at the same time it might be an interesting experiment to not agree for us not to discuss this and just to see where it goes uh, i think it would be a good challenge for me you know i'm very much a narrative gm you know for me story is everything and maybe yeah maybe i'm selfish maybe i i, want, I, I like my story to be in there somewhere where where in reality as you point out and as Daniel has pointed out as well in the past, it isn't my story, it's your story. Um, I'm just there to usher it, you know, forward, to gently nudge it forward, to usher it into being, and then to describe the consequences of, of you creating that story. And maybe I just need to be a bit more like that, you know. It's not going to be easy. But yeah, what I what I kind of wanted to end on, really, um, and this has run a lot longer, and i probably haven't put in any other messages i might put some in after this just to kind of round out but what i wanted to end on was um that really you know having had a few days to think about it what an immense pleasure it was playing with a group of such experienced gamers um not that this is any reflection on any of my other groups but um because you get different things from different groups i've realized and and um you know apart from barney who we've got a little bit of a history i haven't played with any of these guys before um but i kind of had a i kind of had a sense for who they were because you know i've listened to colin and and spencer's podcasts a lot and i've listened to some of colin's actual plays he, he used to put some up and i've listened to a ton of scott running the most amazing call of cthulhu games and he's he's been a huge inspiration for me and i and more recently i've heard him as a player and he's an amazing player as well um he's i think one of these rare people that and i think it is quite rare actually who is um as good a player as as he is a gm i'd say he is a okay if i'm being being really analytical i think he is a better gm than a player because i think he is just such a natural gm um and uh, I, I sometimes feel that as a player he he's not quite as um i don't know evocative like like he he paints these amazing landscapes of of sound and sight and smell and texture and of course when you're a player you don't really have the opportunity of the space to do that as much um it's just it's not your job i suppose so I, it's kind of like well, what i want now is for him to run a game for me <laughs> well that's a that's a big ask isn't it scott if you're listening uh, i'd love to be a player in one of your games um to be um, given, to be given the full doorward, blimey, the full doorward, and look, and 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 look, what I wanted to, to really say is that it was immensely fun playing with those guys. Um, I think 
you know, what you lose in infectious youthful enthusiasm, you gain in in just like wisdom and um, and a kind of. I think that as you get older, as a gamer, as a player, as whatever, and maybe I haven't done this yet due to everything I've set up to now, I think you're able to suppress your own needs. You're able to put your own needs at the back and let the needs of the group take the fore, the fore, foreground, really. Your needs kind of recede into the background. And, and I think that creates a really cool gaming experience for everyone. Um, and Barney does it in an interesting way, as we've discussed. So um, <laughs> we're all there to have fun with each other. That's that's what it's all about. And um, I've been having huge fun. And, uh, you know, probably only play a couple more sessions, and that might be it for this particular group. But um, what pleasure it's been. Um, yeah. Hey, Andy. I'm going to keep it quiet because my family is sleeping. I hope you can hear me. Uh, I liked your dream quest stuff that you mentioned in a past episode, a few episodes ago, and I recommend the, the dream quest of Velvet Bow. It's a novella by Keith Johnson. It's a uh, nice and short, uh, short and sweet. Novellas are maybe my favorite way to take in fantasy and sci-fi nowadays. I just find them really satisfying, and I always liked how the the, the dream quest books are definitely my favorite bits of Lovecraft stuff. And I think it's because there's a sense of wonder and, and it's everything doesn't drive someone to insanity uh, because it's so strange. Maybe it's less racist. Maybe. Uh, anyway, uh, it's definitely my favorite of his stuff. And uh, I love the cats and the ghouls. All right. Be well. Content strategy. Content strategy. I tell you what, mate, if you didn't spend every day driving up into the woods for a wank, you might actually have a podcast that isn't filled with glaring inaccuracies. Firstly, nobody from Lancashire listening to your podcast. Let that sink in. Secondly, the list of community members involved in RPG a day month, well, there was certainly at least one glaring omission there. And dolphins like having sex with people, yet they are the rapists. Jesus Christ, mate, where'd you come to a conclusion like that? I suggest that you don't need a job, you need to be on some kind of register. Hey Andy, Jason here. Enjoyed your last episode, your last ever episode of season two, but I'm not sure that anybody is going to get the reference you made, reference, you know, about me, except for John Allen Large, because I know he's seen Basket Case, but it's all good. Looking forward to season three, my friend. Take care. By the way, I'm still re-listening to the old episodes, your old interviews and enjoying them. I'm sorry I didn't get to them sooner, and maybe I'll actually break down and spend some money on some 7th edition Cthulhu products because they sound worth it even just to read them. So, talk to you later. It's a game we're role-playing I'm a stranger and you're making mistakes after mistakes No one can hear your 
smell your 